are glad that you joined us today. God wants to do so much for you and through you, and we want to hear about it. If you've been impacted by Fuel Church, share your story with us by emailing mystory at thefuelchurch.com. And to learn more about our worship experiences, visit our website at www.thefuelchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Let's go, let's go. I'm not here today to glorify the devil, right? We're not here to glorify the devil, but as believers following Christ, we need to know who our enemy is. Um, It would be foolish to not know the tricks, schemes, and plans of your enemy. Um, Our military does a real good job of studying the enemy, and rightfully so. Um, You need to know who you are battling and fighting against, right? And so you have an enemy. Hit your neighbor and say, you have an enemy. And there's several names in the Bible that this enemy is called. Satan is one. Lucifer is one. Um, He's called the devil. Um, Satan actually means resistor. Devil actually means slanderer. And he's also called the serpent, which means deceiver. Other names he's called is tempter. Um, But the biggest name, I believe, that represents the devil is he's called the father of all lies. The father of all lies lives. So this is the MO of your spiritual enemy. And you need to know that he's coming after you. Uh, Someone once told me, man, I just started coming to the church. I get my life right with God in the last few months. And it seems like the devil's hitting me harder than when I was not serving God. Exactly. Exactly. You're under the umbrella of grace. You're in the house of God. You're growing. Your faith is growing and the enemy hates it. And so we see his purpose is in John 10, 10. He said, I've come to kill, steal, and destroy. Kill, steal, and destroy. We see that in Revelation 12, 10, he's called the accuser of the brethren. What does he do? Day and night, he tries to accuse you. He tries to shame you. He tries to guilt you. He tries to bring condemnation to you. I believe a lot of churches across the nation are siding up with the vision of the devil today because you walk in a lot of churches and what is the pastor doing? Shaming you, trying to condemn you, trying to send you to hell, right? No, that's the enemy's vision and purpose is to shame you. He comes to accuse you, to remind you, to play the DVR of your past, right? That, that, that's his job. That's his, his purpose. Now, now we do know according to the word, he's been defeated. Hit your neighbor and say he's defeated. He's defeated. Now, the devil has power. The devil has power. And I'll qualify that statement here in a minute. But because of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, something took place over 2,000 years ago. And you need to know this. You need to know this if you're going to be a Christ follower. You need to know because it says in Hebrews 2.14, listen to this scripture. Because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, Jesus also became flesh and blood by being born in human form. For only a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had all power over death. Did you hear that? Jesus had to come in the form of a flesh. 
God said, I, I, there, there's an enemy, Jesus, uh, or uh, the, the enemy, Satan, Lucifer, he, he was a praise and worship leader, and, 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 and he pride swelled up, and he said, I want to do things my way, right? And he, we know he got kicked out of heaven and, and took a, two-thirds of the angels with him, and, and, and so here, here he is, and he's roaming around the earth, and God knew that, that God had to take part of him and bring him down to earth through a verse virgin girl named Mary and bring him into earth so that he was tempted in all points as us, but yet without sin. So he had to be flesh. Why? Because flesh had to be nailed to a cross. Why did flesh have to be nailed to a cross? Flesh had to be nailed to the cross for my sins and your sins. The blood had to be shed from somebody who was tempted just like you and I. Oh my gosh, I want to preach right there, but I got to keep moving. Don't distract me today. So we don't die, we live forever. I said, we don't die, we live forever. Oh, our physical body dies, but our spirit lives forever. Because of what Jesus did. So, so the only power the devil has over you and I is the power that we give him. And too many Christians are giving him power that he does not deserve over their minds, over their finances, over their marriages, over their kids. That's the only power he has. He's been rendered helpless, hopeless. Jesus went down to hell during those three days when, when, uh, uh, when he was crucified till he was resurrected. The Bible says he went and he plundered hell. And what did he do? He took the keys of death, hell, and the grave. So you didn't have to die and go to a Christless eternity. That's good news today, right? So let's switch switch gears here. I want to go to an Old Testament story, the book of Nehemiah. The book of Nehemiah is nestled in between Ezra and Esther. The book of Nehemiah is a powerful book, and I encourage you to check it out on your uh, your own time. I can't go to all the scriptures I want to today, but here's what I want to tell you about Nehemiah. In those days, Nehemiah was a cupbearer to the king of Persia. What does that mean? It, he was the right-hand guy. He, 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 was, he was right beside the king wherever the king went. And he actually was the person who would test the king's wine and food to make sure it wasn't bad and make sure someone didn't poison it, right? He was the first one to test it. And if, if he didn't keel over and die, then they knew it was good to give to the king. You hear me? But he was so much more than a cup barrier. He was, he was, he was the right hand in that kingdom and he was uh, privy to all the information of the kingdom and he would help the, the king of Persia make decisions. And so, so he, he, he was very tight with the king even though he was a Jewish man. Someone say he was Jewish. So here he is hundreds of miles away from where the Jews' hometown was of Jerusalem. He's 100 miles away. He's serving as a cupbearer of the king of Persia, and someone sends him a letter. He gets a letter from some of his Jewish family, and they say, listen, the walls of Jerusalem are all broke down. The gates are destroyed, and the city lies in rubble. The city lies in ruins. And we see in this story, read it on your own time, but we see that Nehemiah his heart begins to break for his family. His heart begins to break for the children of Israel and the city that he so loved. 
The city that was destroyed over a hundred years ago, they were taken by the Babylonians into exile. All the Jewish people were taken out of Jerusalem to Babylonian. That's where we see the book of Daniel and we see Daniel there and, and all his friends standing up for Christ. That's during the exile. And we see Nehemiah is beginning to break when he hears the news of what has happened. Everything in the city, everything in the city is destroyed except one thing. And that's the temple. That's the house of God. That's very important to know. Put that in the back of your head. Hit your neighbor and say, he's going somewhere. And, and so, so Nehemiah gets this word and he goes to the king and the king says, what's wrong with you? You seem discouraged. And he says, I just found out my hometown is destroyed and the walls are down and enemies are coming, coming, been coming in for years and plundering it. And it's just, it's just a cesspool of destruction and nothing is happening and no life is there. And his heart breaks, the Bible says, and he goes into a season of praying and mourning and fasting. And the king says, well, what are you going to do about it? And Nehemiah says, I want to go and rebuild the walls. I want to go and rebuild the walls. The king gave him permission, not being a follower of, of God in those days, not being of Jewish descent. He said, Nehemiah, you are released to go hundreds of miles back to your hometown. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to contact all the government officials around you, all the kings around you, and I'm going to tell them to help you out. I'm going to give you resources from my kingdom, and I'm going to help supply uh, the building materials, and I'm going to make sure you're all set up so that you can rebuild your hometown. Nehemiah sets out on this journey, walking, of course. They didn't have Corvettes back then. Here he is setting out. And the Bible says he arrives to his hometown of Jerusalem in the middle of the night. And he surveys the, the ruins. He walks around and he begins to gather people. He begins to go to different people of Jewish descent. And he says, hey, will you help me rebuild these walls? And they're, they're, they're kind of doubtful at first. And they're kind of like, Nehemiah, what are, you, are you crazy? This is two miles of walls. This is 10 gates represented. I want you to see these pictures. You know, we think of walls like drywall, but these are the walls. Do you see the little people down there? These walls were huge. And this is the city of Jerusalem. These are the gates. There were 10 gates represented in this two miles of walls. And these gates were a point of entry and a point of exit. And these gates, we're going to see in a minute, had significance and meaning to them. They weren't just gates, but they were each named certain things because the Jewish culture would teach their children and they would teach everybody uh, about the certain gates, that, what they represented in following God, the God of Israel. And so here's kind of the layout of these walls. You could see it's huge. You could see the temple area, which is the only area that was not destroyed. The only area. And so Nehemiah is found with broken walls and a broken heart. May I submit to you some point in your life, you will look around and see broken walls and a broken heart. There will be some point in your life where the enemy will breach. There will be some point in your life where you, you say, I don't know if I can really go on any longer because of broken walls and a broken heart. And here Nehemiah is, and he, he comes with a vision. God told him as he was in the three days of prayer and fasting, God said, go rebuild my walls, rebuild my city, the holy city of Jerusalem, and I will be with you. 
I will be with you. God said, I will be with you. What looked humanly impossible was humanly impossible until God was invited. When is the last time you invited God to the broken down walls of your situation? Because a lot of times we try to work it out in our own flesh. A lot of times we try to play God and we, we ain't good at playing God. But when God is invited, God shows up by invitation. Have you wrote? God an invitation yet to the brokenness of your heart and life huh Nehemiah is broken Nehemiah shows up and as soon as he shows up to fulfill the vision to rebuild the walls and the gates of Jerusalem the enemy meets him can I tell you the moment you decide to build something for God is the very moment the enemy meets you The very moment he comes, the moment you make a decision, I'm going to live for God. The moment you make a decision, I'm going to raise my family. I'm going to be a godly husband, a godly wife. I'm going to do it. I'm going to open my Bible every day. The moment you do it, the enemy is there to resist you. He's there to resist you. Nehemiah is coming and he has two different types of people surrounding him. He has builders and he has resistors. He has builders and he has resistors. On one hand, they're saying, we're for you. We're going to help you. If God told you that he was going to be with us to rebuild these walls, then we are with you. But on the other hand, he had resistors. He had people who mocked him. He had people who laughed at him. He had people who told him, you're crazy. It will never happen. Humanly, it is impossible to rebuild these walls. And can I tell you, you will always have these two types of people, builders and resistors. It is your job to be keen in the spirit, to know who is a builder for your life and, and, and to know who is a resistor. It is your responsibility to not let everybody connect to your life, your wife, or your kids. Men, it's time to step up and protect. It's time to rebuild the walls. What did the walls do? They were a form of protection for the city of Jerusalem. Men, it's time to step up and protect our children, protect our wives. Don't let anybody talk to your wife. Don't let anybody talk to your kids. You better protect that. So Sam Ballot is his name. Someone say Sam Ballot. He was the leader of this rebellious group of resistors, and and he... He came at Nehemiah and the builders every single day, trying to get them distracted, trying to get them discouraged. Every day they showed up, every day. It came to the point where, 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 where Nehemiah said, okay, if this is going to be a daily occurrence, here's what we're going to do, guys. He got the builders together and he said, we're going to fight with one hand and we're going to work with the other. He said, put a trowel in one hand, but put a sword in the other hand. Oh, come on, somebody. You better get the sword of the spirit out because your spiritual enemy is coming to eat your breakfast, lunch, and dinner and every snack in between. Don't think that he's not coming at you. Well, things have been going really good for me. Well, just wait. There's Monday, tomorrow. So he sends his team out, Sam Ballot. And for weeks, this goes on. Weeks and weeks. They're laughing. Making fun. It'll never happen. <laughs> ah, you guys think God spoke to you. You think your God's going to help you rebuild these ways. It'll never take place. Well, they started progressing. The walls started to come together, and they were in the last few weeks of completion, and Sam Ballot got scared. 
He said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to come up with this plan. I'm going to come up with this plan, and, and we're going to get Nehemiah off the wall because he's the leader. If he could take the leader out, he gets the family. If he can take the leader out, he gets the congregation. If he can take the leader out, he gets the marriage. That's why it's so important that you gather with the men of this house. That's why yesterday was so significant. Can't tell you what happened. It's, it's dear God. So, so, so he says, I got this plan. He writes a letter. He tells his crew, here's what we're going to do. We're going to get Nehemiah off the wall. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to take him this letter. We're going to try to get him away from his crew, get him away from his guys, and we're going to kill him. Because if we can take the leader out, we get the whole body. We, we get the rest of the builders, and they will not complete what God told them to do. And so, so, so we pick up our reading, our only scripture today, and then I'm going to preach. That was introduction. Thank you for coming to Fuel Church. God bless you and your family. I got 11 minutes to get the rest out. Pray for a brother. Nehemiah 6, verse 2 and 4, then Samballot and Gisham sent a message to me saying, send in this letter to Nehemiah, come, let us meet together in Shipram in the plain of Ono. But they were planning to harm me. You see, 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 Nehemiah knew in the spirit something was wrong. Nehemiah knew that, that, that this was a plot and a trick of the enemy to get him off of the wall. It says, so, 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 I sent a message back. Send a message back. And I said this. I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and come down to you? They sent messages to me four different times in this manner and I answered them in the same way. Did you hear that? I want you to repeat this church. Say, I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. One more time. I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. There is a wall in your life. There is something God told you to build. There is a wall in your life, something you must do, something in your heart that you know you must complete. And with God's help, you will. But you cannot come down when the enemy tries to distract you. If he would have came down, they would have took his life. If he would have came down off of the wall, they would have took his life. You got to know the wall in your life. Husbands, wives, young people, you got to know the wall that God has called you to. What is the vision? What is the dream? What is your purpose that he's called you to? And you got to know that you have a spiritual enemy that is coming to do three things while you're on that wall. Three things that he did to Nehemiah. Number one, to discourage, to distract, and to deceive. When you're on your wall working, the enemy works in 3D. He comes to discourage, he comes to distract, and he comes to deceive. What is the great work God has called you to do? What is it? What is it? Single, single parents, single moms and dads? What is the great work? It's those kids. 
It's those kids. Stay to your wall. Don't get connected in some toxic relationship because of a moment of loneliness and insecurity and you hook up with some joker that doesn't love you but wants one thing from you. What is your wall? Married couples, what is your wall? It's to build it God's way, not your way. You've done it your way long enough. That's your wall, to stay on the wall and build that marriage that God gave you and not to come off when someone else comes walking by looking fine as red wine. What is your wall? I don't know what your wall is. Maybe it's a financial wall that you made a decision. We're going to get out of debt. We're tired of being in debt. And, and, and now you're, you're, you're on your way, but then now the holidays are coming and, and all the credit card offers are showing up with a great 35% interest. Such a deal. Let's sign up, honey. We can get the greatest Christmas ever and we can go out every day around the holidays and buy our $5 Starbucks. What is the wall God's called you to? Young people, what is the wall God's called you to? What is the wall to stand up for Christ in your schools? What is the wall, God, the wall of purity God's telling you to stay on? To not do what everyone else is doing in the culture and society says and what your friends are doing. What is the wall God has told you to build young people? To stand up for Christ in the face of persecution. What is the wall, church, for our spiritual life? What is the wall that God has told us to build So that we can lead our family in the ways of God. Fathers, what is the wall? What is the wall he's telling you to build? That prayer life. What is the wall he's telling you to build? That character, that integrity. Because your kids are watching your every move. And every word that comes out of your mouth. What is the wall for your life? What is the wall? What is the wall, single ladies? Hello. All my single ladies. What is the wall? What is the wall? Is the enemy trying to get you to come down for some joker, smoker, and toker? Some cheater, beater, and eater? Come on now. Because he's going to try to deceive you and distract you and get you off that wall and try to get you to settle. In a moment of weakness, he gets many single people to settle because they want somebody. They want somebody, and I I found my somebody in the moment of weakness. You are the most vulnerable, and you make dumb, unwise decisions. What is the wall, single people, that God has asked you to stay on? You can't come down. I am doing a great work, and I cannot come down. the, The temptation will be to let your guard down and leave your wall because the devil hates when people work on their wall. The devil hates it when you stay on your wall. The devil hates it when you're consistent. The devil hates faithfulness. He hates it because you're here every week. He hates it because some of your family, you said, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. It doesn't matter. We're going to God's house. No, we're raising our family in the ways of God. And he hates it when you stay to your wall. Therefore, he's coming to distract you, discourage you, and he's coming to deceive you. Nehemiah knew he couldn't do it on his own. That's why he went into a time of prayer and God said, I will be with you. He knew that God must move in the areas I cannot. Do you know that God must show up in the areas you cannot? Come on, somebody. When you come to the end of yourself, you come to the beginning of God and his power. When you come to the end of yourself, you come to the beginning of God's might and God's power for your life. 
What are the walls? The walls represent the vision. The walls represent the passions, the dream that God has placed in your life. But the gates, let me talk about the gates, and then we're going to wrap this up. The gates all had a Hebrew meaning. The gates all had significant meaning in the placement of the gates, where they were within that wall and the order that they were in. And to the Hebrew children, the children of Israel, this was very vital to them raising their family in the ways of God to follow Jehovah God. And it had great significance for their life. And I believe it has great significance for our life. There were 10 gates. How many? There were 10 gates. And I want to hit them real quick in my next few minutes. Number one, the first gate they had to rebuild was the sheep gate. The sheep gate. Why was that the first gate? It was of utmost importance because the sheep gate represented the lamb of God that was slain before the foundations of the world. The sheep gate represented the blood that would be shed on that cross. They knew, they knew Messiah was coming and it, it is, it is significant in our life and it should be the reality of the cross should be a something of significance in our life, not just when we take communion, but every day of our life that without his blood, we are heading to a Christless eternity. So the children of Israel, they would teach their kids about the sheep gate. That the Lamb of God will be slain before the foundations of the world. The second gate in order behind the sheep gate was the fish gate. This gate represented your witness for Christ. We're called to be fishers of men. And it represented to the children of Israel that you're called to be a witness everywhere you go. Someone say a witness. A witness. You're not called to be an attorney. You're called to be a witness. What does a witness do? It shares their story. Selah, think on that for a minute. The next gate was the old gate. The old gate represents truth. Truth is always old, and it's upon old things that everything new must rest on. I don't think you heard that. It's upon old things that everything new must rest upon. So we need the old gate in our lives. We need the truth. Come on, the pillars of truth found in, in, the, in the word of God. We need the truth of God's word in our life. You know, you know we, can, we can do all the new things aesthetically and we can have the lights and we can, we can have all that and be relevant to the culture. But if we substitute the truth, we've lost everything. We're no more than a country club with a cross on it. And we are not called to be a country club and we're not called for you to come and pay your dues so you can tell me what I want to hear and I can live in my sin. No, we're not called to do that. We're called to take truth and grace and smack them together and point you to Jesus Christ. Because truth without grace is just mean. (laughs) I hear the thunder. The next gate is the dung gate, the dung gate, D-U-G-E. Do I need to explain? D-U-N-G, rather. (laughs) Sorry, I was reading the wrong thing. This was the place where all the waste and garbage would go out of. So you live in the city, the walls are around you, you would take all your garbage out. It's garbage day, let's take it all out through the dung gate. All the filth was carried out. And I'm here to tell you, church, you need a dung gate in your life to release the waste of the world that tries to creep in. Yeah. 
Number five gate, they're all in order here, the valley gate. It represents the place of humility. It's the place of loneliness of mind and humbleness of heart. It's, it's a place where we find God say, I resist the prideful, but I give grace to the humble. The valley gate, it's in that valley of humility. Number six is the fountain gate. This speaks of the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit flowing in our life to enable us to obey the word of God. We need the Holy Spirit operating in our lives. Number seven is the water gate. The water represents the word of God in the Bible. Water represents the word. Number eight is the east gate. It represented hope because it faced the rising sun, symbolizing a new day arises every morning. The ninth gate was the horse gate. The horse represents warfare in the scriptures. They would go to the horse gate and they would begin to pray and seek the God of Israel. How's that working out for you? Have you visited the horse gate lately? Have you went into warfare for some family members, for some friends, for some co-workers? You see, all these gates they would visit and they would teach their kids what they represented. They would walk around and they would show them what they meant. The last gate is called the master gate or the gate of examination. (laughs) We need to evaluate ourselves and our lives. Are we talking right? Are we hanging with the right people? Are we looking at the right things? Come on now. Are we going to the right places? The master gate or the gate of examination. I love this because this is the 10th gate. This is the 10th gate. And, and this gate was closest to the first gate. The first gate is what? The sheep gate. Because once you examine your heart and you realize there's some air, you just go over to the sheep gate where the blood of God covers you. Because the blood will cover a multitude of sins. Can I get an amen? So I need you to know that in your life, the devil's showing up. And you need to have a not today devil in your mouth. Not today, devil. You are not getting me off of my wall. Will you give me five more minutes? Can I get three people? Tell them on Wes. One more guy. Come on. Come up real quick. Come on. Come on, Matt. Let's go. Here we go. Five minutes. Because Sambala is coming. He's coming. Your spiritual enemy, the devil, is coming. And what's he coming to do? He's coming to do three different things to you and I. And it's coming quicker than you can blink your eyes. He's coming to discourage you. He's coming to distract you. And he's coming to deceive you. Discouragement, distraction, deception. All are at the bottom when you're working on your wall. He's coming every day and you got to be aware of it. You got to be keen that the enemy wants to get you off of this wall and you got to have in your spirit. I am doing a great work. I cannot come down to you. And I don't know who Sambala is in your life. It may be a family member. It may be a coworker. It it may be a friend. It may be your spouse that tries to get you to come off of your wall. I'm going to tell you right now, Paul said, I had to cut some people out of my life that were distracting me, discouraging me, and trying to get me off of my wall. There are people in your life that you got to get rid of. They trying to get you off of your wall. I'm doing a great work. I can't come down. I'm doing a great work. I I can't come down. I'm doing a great work. I can't come down. See, you have no idea what hangs in the balance if you come off the wall. 
You have no idea what hangs in the balance relationally and spiritually and financially and your marriage and generationally. You have no idea what hangs in the balance. And I know some of you have been distracted. You've been discouraged and you're almost to the point where you're ready to come off of your wall because of stress, anxiety, and depression and a quitting spirit. You're ready to just come off that wall. But God said today, you're doing a great work. Don't you dare come down. Don't you dare come down. Don't you dare cave in to those voices in your head. Don't you dare let that deceiver, the father of all lies, get in your head and win the battle. There's so much that hangs in the balance for this church. If you come off of your wall, man, this community, this state, This nation, there's so much that hangs in the balance if you come off of your wall, man. Single mom, there's so much that comes that hangs in the balance if you come off. The hurting may never be reached if you come off your wall. The broken, God's lost kids may never come back home if you give up. Man, I've been trying this God thing. I've been trying this church thing. I've been trying tithing and it just seems like it's getting worse. Don't come off the wall. Somebody needs you to stay your position. Somebody needs you to rebuild the walls and the gates of your life. We must keep rebuilding. As a church, we can't come off of our wall. As a church, we won't back up. I don't care how many haters, how many Sam ballots come and try to get us off of our wall. They tried to get us to cancel what happened yesterday. Can't get us to come down. Can't get us to come down. The haters, the trollers going to troll, but we're going to give God some praise because we are doing a great work. We cannot come down to you. We can't come down. We can't come down. The haters are going to yell. They're going to try to tell us, man, that church is crazy. They do some, they do some ungodly things. We're, we're, we're called in a cult now. That's the word on the street. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're bashed for that. We've been bashed because, because of all the biracial couples that come to our church, right? Yeah, 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 that, that's what they're saying in our community. They're saying, oh man, they're just doing too much edgy stuff and, and what they do is, you know, that's really not a house of God. That's more like a club with the lights and the smoke. Ain't bad as the smoke that you're smoking on your Marlboro lights. Come on, somebody. We can't come down, church. We won't back up. No way. No way. Because we have 50% of our city on their way to a crisis eternity. We cannot back up. We are actually moving forward. We're actually taking more ground. We're actually ready for all that God has for us. We're, We're about ready to launch a third service. We're about ready to build more campuses. Why? Because we're doing a great work and we cannot come down. We can't come down. We can't come down. We're going to keep rebuilding the broken, shattered pieces of the walls of Kokomo, Indiana and the surrounding. We're going to keep rebuilding the broken hearts represented that other churches said, oh, you can't come here. You've been divorced three times. We're going to keep going after the lost, the addicted, those who feel like they have no home because of what they look like, because of what they smell like and how they dress. We're going to keep going after God's lost kids. We are doing a great work. We cannot come down. We can't come down. 
So don't write me your emails. Don't tell me in my ear. I don't want to hear it. I ain't coming down from the wall. Find you a new church if you don't like it. Find you a new church if you're scared of the word porn. Find you a new church. There's plenty of them that won't talk about porn and racism and the issues that are plaguing our communities. But this guy's staying on the wall. I'm staying on the wall. I'm saying what God told me to do. And some of you don't like that, and that's okay. I'm not here to get your friendship. I'm here to lead you as your pastor, to be a shepherd, to warn you of the wolves that are coming in, to warn you of the danger that's ahead. I can't come down. Why? Because I'm doing a great work. I'm doing a great work. I'm doing a great work. And you can't come down either. You're doing a great work. You're doing, husbands, don't come down. Don't compromise. Don't allow the deception, discouragement of the enemy to get you away from the things of God and focused on some fleshly sin that takes you down a wrong path of destruction for your marriage and family. Single moms, don't you dare give up. Stay on the wall because we're helping you rebuild it. This church has helped. Addicts, all the addicts in here that come every week, don't you dare give up. We're with you. I don't care if you come in drunk every Sunday. I don't care if you come in high every week. We're with you. We're not giving up on you. God hasn't given up on you, and we will not give up on you. We will not give up on you. We will not give up on you. I don't care if your family gave up on you. We will not give up on you. We won't give up to the man struggling with anger. Stay on your wall to the husband who doesn't know how to lead his family. Stay on the wall. Keep showing up. Keep coming. Keep showing up. There's something about faithfulness that builds a spiritual fortitude, a spiritual wall in your life. Keep coming. Keep showing up. Keep being consistent. You're growing. You're growing. You're growing. We must stay on the wall. You can't come down. No, no, you can't. I know he tried to tell you this week, all oh, that church, this and that. I know he tries to put thoughts in your head. Oh, all they want is this. Yeah, I know, I know he does it. Don't come down from the wall. Don't come down from the wall. Why? Because we're all about, in this house, taking broken pieces of the walls of people's lives, taking broken hearts, and watching God rebuild. Because I'm telling you, if he could do it for me, young, drug addict, party dude that didn't want nothing to do with God and nothing to do with Christianity, thought they were all a bunch of fakes, didn't want nothing to do with it. If he could change my life, if he could take the pieces of my heart and restore, he can do it for you. If he could take the pieces of these three young men right here. I know all three of their stories. If he could take them and restore their marriages and set them free from pornography and anger and set them free from all kinds of things, he can do it for you. He can do it for you. God is no respecter of persons. Stay on your wall. Well, I don't feel God. Stay on your wall. I don't know if it's stay on your wall. You have a great work to do. 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 Stay on your wall. 
We're going to stay on our wall. No matter what the rumors are, they had rumors about Nehemiah. No matter what the haters say, we're going to stay on our wall. No matter what discouragement, distractions, or deception try to come our way, we refuse to come down. We're going to do what they're doing right here. We're going to have a sword in one hand. And we're going to work and we're going to fight with the other hand. A sword to fight and a trial to work. Why? Because we're building something great for God. We're building a legacy. We're building a heritage in this place with our kids and our students. And when they're old, they will not depart from the faith. We're going to stay on our wall with our young people. Oh yeah, we're going to invest more with our kids and students in 2018. We're up in the stakes. Why? Because they matter. Because they're important. And if that means some of the adults don't get some of the things we need, then so be it. I believe in the next generation. We're going to give them the best. The world ain't going to give, no, we're going to give them the best here. We're going to give our kids the best. We're going to stay on our wall. We're going to fight for our marriage. Enemies trying to destroy so many marriages right now. We're going to fight. We're going to fight in this church. We ain't giving up. Nope. We ain't giving up. We're going to fight. We're going to fight for this city. We're going to fight for this city that so many have given up on. You got people. I got people. We've all been affected by the epidemic of overdoses in our city. We could all name 10 people right now, every day, one of the largest overdoses in the state of Indiana, right here in Howard County, right here. We're not going to give up on them. We're not going to give up on them. No, we're going to stay on the wall. We're going to help them rebuild. We're going to help them get free in the name of Jesus. Hey, thanks for listening today. And maybe you're out there and maybe you feel far from God today. Maybe life has thrown you a curveball. You've taken some wrong turns. You've messed up. I'm here to tell you about God's love for your life. You know, it's real and it's for you. And and no matter what you've done, no matter where you've gone, God is there. His love is unconditional. and, And the Bible says that if you just confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, you're saved. And I'm going to lead you through a prayer. And I just believe that if you say this prayer, mean it with your heart, the Bible says you're saved. And I want to encourage you to tell somebody about this decision. But just wherever you're at, just say, God, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Change me in Jesus' name. It's simple as that. And I encourage you, find a good local church. If if you can get to Fuel Church, get here. God is moving. God is doing some great things the lives and families of the people that come here, but find a good church where you can grow in God. Until next time, God bless you. Have a great week.